Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. It's good. Why don't we give God a huge hand clap? Isn't he good? All those wonderful people taking that amazing step. And uh, it's quite incredible. Just four people. That's big. God's doing something. I love that. And every generation represented. Wasn't that cool? It's very cool. Well, you may be seated. I won't keep you much longer. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, right. But I won't. And uh, but I'll get someone, whoever can, restart that clock. Just give me 10 minutes. Is that okay? That'd be good. Yes, very good. Thank you, team. You're all wonderful. Yes, they are. They're amazing. And uh, I might get you back up just before we finish. But um, we're starting a new series today as we lead into Easter, and we've called it His Story and Our Story. And so as we come towards this moment where we, we globally celebrate uh, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus and what He accomplished for us on the cross, I wanted to call this series His Story and Our Story because what I want us to capture as we journey towards this moment of Easter is that we're not living our story and every now and then kind of appropriating a part of His story, but that everything we do, from the moment we decided and surrendered ourselves and dunked ourselves, or someone dunked us, but we were at least complicit in it. We weren't dunked without wanting to. No one was drowned here. Everyone was like willing to go, yep, I'm going under, good. Okay, so when we made that willingness in our heart, we've actually surrendered our whole story in His. That we live in Him. That our life, our breath, our very being is in Him. It is no longer Jimmy that lives, but Christ in me that lives. And so if we are to appropriate the message of the cross till it's fullest in us, and if we are to live out a kingdom message that is a life-transformative message, a global world-transformative message, we must be surrendered, baptized, immersed, dunked under, swimming down, in Him. And everything, everything, when you think of Jesus and when He promises freedom, everything in terms of that freedom is found in Him and a life submerged in His. So we're going to talk about baptism, we're going to talk about repentance, and we're going to talk about swimming against the current. In Luke 3, this story begins. Well, it's already begun. Jesus has been born and it's kind of along his way. But, but this is where it really begins to kick off. There's a man named John and he, he was known as John the Baptist because all he did was baptizing. He'd just kind of gone, I'm full, that's my job now. I'm just baptizing people because there's a call on his life to bring the people of God into the new recognized season of what we call the kingdom. And so Jesus is coming and John's job was to bring that into the beginning and actually allow the people of God to recognize what was happening. So are you ready? This will be quick. So strap in. Luke 3, 1 to 6. In the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, 
with Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. There's a few more tetrarchs there. They're kind of brothers of, of this guy. During Verse 2, during the high priesthood of Caiaphas and Annas, God's word came to, the, to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now he went into all the vicinity of Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it was written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight. The rough which our ways will become smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. Amen. Now, if we were to reverse this, that we will see the salvation of the God as the crooked ways become straight, as the hills are brought low, as the low places are leveled out, so that there is a clear way forward for God's reign to come. As we reorientate, another way of saying this, this is metaphorical language, we're not waiting for mountains literally to be brought down. But as we reorientate ourselves to allow the King to come, make way for the Lord. Remember those movies where like the King's riding through and everyone, make way for the King. Okay, so this is the imagery we're getting here. Now the context is interesting. It's in the day of three ruling powers. There's the Roman Empire, and this is the first empire, one of the first emperors, who was not just known as Caesar, he had now been calling himself Lord or God. So he has come up and said, God is here. Receive the good news. Anyone who receives me as God, you will experience peace. But what he meant by that was, if you surrender, I won't kill you. Any land I conquer that lays down their arms and says, you are king and you are God, I won't kill you. You'll have peace. And then he sets up, and this is what the Roman Empire would do, would they take over an area, but they would allow the ruler of the day to remain in this kind of, uh, kind of semi-leadership role, very political. And this was Herod. He was the king. And so we've got this line of kings, failed kings, that were meant to lead Israel in the way of God, but constantly led Israel however they wanted to lead Israel. And so another failed state. And then we have the priesthood, which also were trying to faithfully live out what it meant to be God's people, but were missing the mark. And into this context, the king was coming. And the message that John had to prepare people for this moment was this. Repent. For the kingdom is at hand. That's in Matthew. And then in Luke, it says he came with a baptism of repentance. Now, this is interesting because predominantly he's coming to the Israelites. And you're not an Israelite unless you are baptized. So he's coming to the baptized and saying, guys, you need to get dunked again. You need to get immersed again. And you need to get immersed in what I'm calling a baptism of repentance. So when we think of baptism, as you've just seen, we're not going to do sprinkles. We're going to dunk you under. And it's not because you're covered in sin. We didn't hold any of you down a little longer just to make sure. 
It's because what we're representing, there is a washing and there is a sense of cleansing. Sure, that's a part of it. But what it really means is we are now saying you are in Christ. And he is in you. And you are submerging yourself. Do you remember, um, has anyone ever jumped off a really tall thing that they shouldn't have into water, even though their parents told you not to? Let's be honest here. Come on. Oh, let's be really honest here. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Some of you need to go and jump off. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But isn't it a scary moment when you're on the edge and you know you've got to jump and you've been telling yourself you're going to jump, but you're going to jump and you kind of just keep holding back? But then how thrilling when you finally let go. And this is what baptism's like. When we finally let go and we just go, I'm all in. Now, did anyone ever play Marco Polo? Okay, good. Where's my Marco Polo people? Come on, give me a wave. Let me know you're still here. I've got two minutes, but it's okay. We're we're still here? Okay, good. Okay, so in Marco Polo, you got to stay in the water. And if you get out of the water, what do we yell? Come on, louder. Fish out of water. Okay, except when we played fish out of water, we had a rule. I don't know if you had a rule like this, Andrew, but as long as I kept my foot in the pool, I was not technically out of the water. And so we, we would watch us play Marco Polo and there'd be like 30 kids around the edge of the pool kind of dragging themselves while someone's thrashing around. But the problem is you're covered in water and so you're freezing cold and your foot's in, but you're very uncomfortable for the rest of you. So when we are immersed in Christ, if we live a life that is kind of in, But on the edge, you will live your Christian experience extremely frustrated because God is loving and God is gracious and God has filled you with his mercy. And yes, we are saved by faith. But if we don't immerse our lives in him, we lose sight of the future because this life is not something you're saved from. This life, is something, this life is something you are being shaped in. And you are being shaped for an eternal purpose with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it is only when we immerse our life in Him that we find and discover who He really is and what His story has now meant for us. And this is what we call repentance. Now, has anyone ever heard of the thing called the Reformation? You're all here pretty much because of that. Otherwise, we'd be having mass. And there's been way too many things that divide us between our Catholic brothers and sisters. But the issue at the day was that there was a reading of Scripture around this very thing of repentance. And the frustration for a man named uh, Martin Luther was that they, when they thought of repentance, they thought of paying penance. It was just simple misinterpretation of the Greek text. And what it meant was, I'm going to pay my penance for what I've done wrong. I've got to pay for what I did wrong. And that's, that's fair enough. Someone has to pay for when things are done wrong. But Jesus has paid for us in what has been happening in our lives and the mess that we found ourselves. He has paved the way forward for us. And so Luther came and he said, no, this is a heart issue. This is a transformation of the heart. This is not something that I have to pay for. This is actually something that I have to receive and decide. But sometimes in our society, what it has become is weaker than that. 
And so for us, I think a better way for us to think about repentance is when we think of the story of the prodigal son. So this son who had everything, the love of the father, it says he went away. He decided to let go of his connection with the father and go and live his own way. And then he finds that his life is completely messed up. And so he has a moment of metanoia, repentance. It says when he came to his senses. Now metanoia in the Greek repentance, it means to change your mind. When he came to his senses, he changed his mind and he came back to the Father. And this is the beautiful thing that we are all offered here as we come into this moment of celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is every single day of our lives, we can choose again to change our mind, come alongside God with ourselves and say, God, I've been living for my own agenda. I'm now living for yours. And so from this first century context, we have these three kings, these leaders of kings and priests. And Jesus and John before him come and say, it's time to turn around. Change your mind. For the kingdom is here. In other words, the real king, the true king has come. And so to repent then is again to let go of our own agenda and to believe is to trust in him for everything. And this is what it means to be a church submerged in him, that we do not live for our agenda, that we do not live for anyone else's agenda except for our king's. And I wonder here today what it means for us as we come towards Easter. What is his story doing in ours? What does baptism mean to us? What does it mean when the king comes and says, come, follow me? Are we ready again and again and again and again? to submerge our lives into His, to repent, letting go of our agenda, and believe, trusting in Him alone, living for Him alone. And from this place of surrender, we can then consider what the cross means for us. I encourage you just to close your eyes right now as we come to a close. Let me just read these last few thoughts for you. Cross means that sin and death had to be dealt with. If there was another way, he would not have gone to the cross. But he went to the cross because this thing called sin and death that corrupts his creation, that corrupts our lives, this power that causes us to live selfishly against the desires and the, the agenda of the king, that cause us to live for building our own kingdom. This thing had to be dealt with and that is what the cross has done. It broke the power of darkness so that we now can live for Him. And from this light of victory, we live resisting the devil by submitting to God. The 
cross means that the kingdom has come. That in his death and resurrection, Jesus has launched his renewal plan. And as his people, we are becoming more like him, bringing his redeeming love and justice into this world. I wonder this week, what are the areas of injustice that you can bring loving justice What do you mean by that? Well, it can be as simple as a kid for some of our young people here that when you come to school and you know they're constantly left out, you can change that and you can bring justice into that space and you can bring someone in and let them feel the love of God. It means that God did something that we could not. So as we submit, as we submerge our will into His, as we get under this thing and begin to swim against the current of this world, what we find is the very current that now carries us is His grace. It was not something we could do. It was something that He has done. It is not by your might. It is not by your power. It's not by your striving. It's not by you being good enough. It is by His Spirit. Paul has this discussion with himself in a way in Romans where he's going back and forth between those that live by the law and by the Spirit and those that live by the law. They know what they should do and they really want to do it and they really want to try and they just can't seem to bring themselves because they haven't fully let go yet and said, Jesus, have it all. But when you submerge in Him, you'll find His Spirit will lead your heart in a new direction. Does that mean you'll be perfect? Not even close. Because He has already made you perfect. You can't get any more perfect. But in that, you are finding you are moving towards the reality of what that perfection means. As you surrender again and again and allow His Spirit to carry you. So Heavenly Father, as we come to this moment, as we celebrate all these wonderful lives that have committed themselves to You, that are surrendered in You, we ask Holy Spirit, in the loving way that you can, where are the areas that we need to say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. We let go of our own agenda. We let go of the areas of pride and frustration, the areas where we're fighting to feel like we're right. And Lord, I pray that you help us to let go of that and surrender to you and believe in you and trust in you and just come and be right. Do right. Bring your love. Bring your justice. Bring your kindness. Bring your compassion into every area that we go into this week. I pray for anyone here today that is feeling on the edge, like they've, they're kind of half in, but they don't know how to fully let go and trust. I ask Holy Spirit right now that you would come and minister to them where they are. You know who they are. And you know what they need. I ask Holy Spirit that you would reveal Christ to them afresh. And before we finish here today, we do this often, but I want to give every single person here an opportunity that if you've never prayed a prayer that begins the journey of following Him as your King, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've done this a long time ago, but you know you've drifted and you're saying today, I'm going to make a fresh commitment. Well, I encourage you to do that today. So we're all going to say a prayer. And I want you to believe this in your heart. 
And then I want to help you take some next steps. Sound good? All right, so if you're here today, just locate that in your heart. Say, yep, that's me. And I want you to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it with you. But let's say this together. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge you are my Savior and King. My faith, my trust is in you. Forgive me for living my own way. I choose to give you my life. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Help me to live for Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this initial step of following you. I pray for every person that has prayed this prayer in their heart, that, Lord, you would seal this decision by, Lord, your presence. Lord, they would know that they know that they know in their heart. They would sense your loving arms around them. And, Father, that they have come home. I pray that they would reach out and take next steps, Father, to continue in a journey, a lifelong journey of discipleship in you. And I thank you that you would equip us as your church, Lord, to be friends to these people, to be, Lord, a community to these people, to help each other, to grow and do this journey of discipleship in you. Fill us, Holy Spirit, afresh here today. Let your spirit and your power fall on us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.